Welcome to KC Corner, episode 20, and we got we have another guest for you guys this week, Pastor David Outing, um, and he's going to have a little conversation with his longtime friend, Jeff Jakes, and I want to thank him for joining the show this week. And I'm going to pass it off to Jeff right here. Sounds great. Good morning, David, my brother. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming. You know, one of the things about David Outing that we have said about each other, and it's been said about us, that we're brothers from another mother. And Amen. that is so true. Uh, David and I, I'm a little bit older than David, uh, just a year, because um, you, you were 66, is that right? And yeah. I was 65. Yep, we're not talking age, folks. We're talking about years born here. All right. Yeah, don't so, get it uh, twisted now. Exactly. <laughs> But I had the privilege of celebrating your mom's life uh, last week. I think it was a week ago Monday is her funeral. And just hearing about Marie outing, maybe the fact that we've said brothers from another mother. I'm telling you, brother, our mothers were so much alike. Mm. It, it seemed like they just had a love for Jesus that yes. oozed out of them. Yes. That, that they couldn't help but talk and share the good news of the gospel and mm -hmm. this incredible love affair. So I have this picture of Marie Outing and Marge <laughs> Jakes uh, somewhere in glory right now, mm. uh, basking in our Savior's great That's light. That's a good picture. It's a great picture. And they're mm. talking about their boys, you know. Mm. And so uh, <laughs> your mom had more boys than my mom. She only had two. And so you have it was four boys and one girl. Yeah, three other brothers and, mm -hmm. and one girl. And mm -hmm. what an incredible family. So, hey, let's start off with just a shout out by your mom. So what was it like growing up and having somebody that just loved Jesus the way she did? Wow, it was, uh, what a what a household yeah. it was. Because mom loved, she's been a lover of Jesus since age 16. She, she would say, since sweet 16. Wow, that's awesome. Um, she committed her life to Christ. Um, married dad and uh, they began their family and growing up in that household we had chores to do and we had to do them right she inspected right. our work <laughs> That's awesome. um, if we didn't do it right or if we did something wrong she she disciplined us mom she didn't mind using the belt right you nice. know and if we really did something crazy she'd have us go pick a switch Wow. Off of uh, the, one of those plants or trees outside. Yeah. And, um, you know, back in the day, they used to whip like that. Well, I'm know? sure that you never had that. You're such um, a good boy. I'm sure. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah. for your brothers and sister, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, I just, I want you to know that part. Right? <laughs> uh, didn't get many, but mom, you know, she was a disciplinarian, but she was a, but she also um, was just such a love of Christ and wanted to make sure that we knew the Lord. Mm. So she... Um, had us learn Psalm 23 at an early age. Nice. And we had to uh, we had to recite the whole chapter. Nice. And when we would do dinner, you know, we had to say a Bible verse wow. at the end of the prayer. Nice. You know, so you had to come up with a Bible verse yeah. at the end of each prayer. And then sometimes we'd be outside playing football or kickball or whatever with our family, with our friends, and mom would call us in. To do devotions, right? In the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah. That's what your brother said in the funeral. Who it was does incredible. That? And mom said, you can invite them too. Exactly. Sometimes our friends would come. That's awesome. Uh, but that was what That's it's awesome. like growing up with mom. You know, good thing she didn't make you memorize Psalm 119. I mean, that was... Oh. Uh, 
that's the longest chapter of the Bible. Oh so goodness. she was gracious just to give you Psalm 23. Indeed, you know? indeed. So, indeed she was. Um, were you ever embarrassed at your mom? I mean, was there was her faith when you were growing up in those cool years, you know, that we had and your mom, maybe it was when you were called in from playing football. Was there ever that you're a little bit, you love her because she's your mom, I get it, but you're a little embarrassed uh, about her faith. It, it, was that ever a part of your story? I don't know if it was more embarrassing, man, about her faith as opposed to being embarrassed to have to come inside and play and when all your friends... Sure. And, and we were we were some of the best athletes. Man, so they weren't very the good community. athletes over in that area? So. <laughs> Whatever, man. We were some of the best. So when me or my brothers or all of us would have to leave, some of the best football or kickball or yeah. whatever players was missing for a minute. Right. And it was embarrassing to have to leave that. Wow, we have to come. Um, That's awesome. But also when we got older, mom, man, she uh, she was bold yeah. with sharing the gospel. And I remember even recently, within a, a few years ago, we went to a funeral together. And um, uh, I think one of my cousins died or something. And we were going to the car. And the, the, the motorcycle... Uh, officer that was um, um, yeah, leading the leading the yeah, procession. Right, she stopped at his motorcycle to tell him about Jesus and asked wow. if his soul was right that's, with God. That's amazing. And I was like, Oh my yeah. lord, mom, you know, my, come on. You know, and my mom was the same way. Uh, not necessarily in, in that exact setting, but. When we go to a restaurant, it seems like she just couldn't help but tell the wait staff about Jesus. Yeah. And, and I never felt it was out of a, a, a duty. Like maybe some people we see that knock on your door to earn yeah, their yeah, salvation. Yeah. It was never that. It was never that. It was just out of love. Yes. I mean, just love for yes. Jesus and love for his yes. creation. It was organic it was, for her. It was so organic. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would get embarrassed because I felt like my mom was trying out for the choir because she sang so loud, you know. And... and uh uh, just the way she lived her life, but it was so beautiful, and I'm so grateful. And I, you know, I feel this kinship with you, brother, that I have for so many years. And I think our hearts are similar in many ways. And I really do think it's because of the upbringing we had with godly mothers. So, Amen. Thanks be to our great God, brother. Amen. Be our great God. Hey, I want to give a little bio about my friend Bishop David Outing, and I'm telling you, if I gave it all the bio, we would not have enough time on this podcast because, mm. and I'm, I'm a little bit nervous talking about your bio because people from my church that listen to this are going to think, what am I doing in my life? You're going to say, come on, Jakes, get going here. But not only a bishop and a pastor, a business owner, um, you know, somebody who has been an amazing ministry leader in our community with Jobs Partnership and other ministries. Uh, uh, not only that, but uh, you've been a uh, Orange County chaplain. Um, you know, you're wearing a shirt right now that says Chaplain David Outing about your your ministry, your business, the corporate care partnerships. Uh you got more shirts with more logos that, <laughs> with your name on it than anybody I know. I don't know if you're just wearing free stuff all the time or what's what's going on. But, free, yeah. All right, so tell me, yeah. give us a little bit from your perspective of, of who you are, Bishop David Outing. And by the way, before he says a thing, I want everybody who's listening in Casey Cornerland, all 12 of you, <laughs> just kidding, uh, um, you know, I want you to know I consider David my pastor. And, and he has been very, although he's a younger brother, um, he's been uh, somebody who's instrumental in my life. And when I need the voice of a pastor, 
um, I turn to David and, you know, I know I'm going to get God's word. I know I'm going to get it in love and I just really appreciate you. But mm. give us a little bit of bio about you. Who are you and what are you doing here? Um, man, I'm just a servant of the most high God. I thought you were going to say that. I'm just a uh, knucklehead. I'm, I'm just, just a servant. Kn- yeah, one of God's <laughs> chief knuckleheads, man. Yeah. Uh, just a lover of Jesus and been been a lover of my soul for since I was 11 years old. Th- th- that's the... That's the thing that matters uh, the Amen. most for me. Um, but happily married this year be April. 33 years to my life partner, a young lady that I've been knowing since age three. That's incredible. We grew up together as neighbors across the street. Awesome. And little did I know I was watching um, the one I would do life together with all of our life. That's so cool. And um, so uh, happily married, got you know six children, four sons, two daughters. And we have six grandchildren and one on the way. That's awesome. Um, so that's who I am. My, my grandchildren call me Jeepa. So um, you can just call me Jeepa, and I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> I love you it. know, above pastor, bishop, yeah, you know, the, all those things have its place. But just uh, just a brother who loves Jesus, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And been been here all my life in the Orlando area, born and raised, and. Um, so that's that's a little bit about me. That's awesome, G Paw. Hey, <laughs> listen, G Paw. When we when they showed the video on at your mom's funeral of your family, the one picture that I wish it went so quickly. I, I wish that it stayed on there for a two minutes. I wanted to see it. It was a newspaper clipping of your dad when he was a twelve year old evangelist in his first sermon or something like that. But you look great in a suit, and I, I know that you got a long tradition of of, of pastors and preachers, and mm. thank God for our heritage in Christ. Amen. 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 Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. Uh, well, very good. Well, David, uh, it's been a blessing and a joy to journey through life together. You've been there in my life with some tears. I've had the privilege of being there in yours Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, man. And, you know, this is a friendship that's not just a surface friendship. I mm. think this is a... Uh, a real brotherhood in Christ Jesus. And, and I love you, my man. I really do. Mm. Um, and really respect you as well. So thanks for coming. I'd love to get your perspective um, uh, as, as a black pastor, as a leader of kind of some current events. And, and you know, uh, it was so important for us to hear last week through Thomas Brown, our dear brother and friend of ours, that the three of us love hanging together and then uh. Sylvester as well. But um <clears throat> Give us a little bit of perspective. I know that's asking a big question, but yeah. but if you could let us enter into your world a little bit and the way, you know, the, this, the George Floyd tragic death and, and, you know, Ahmaud Aubrey and just the things that have happened in our society. Tell us from your the lens of your life, what's happening? Well, that is a good and a loaded question. I know it is. Sorry. Um and I don't claim to speak for uh, the black community, and um, I don't claim to represent the uh, the mindset of many uh, in our community and who are hurting. Now, I do hurt mm-hmm. uh, because of what we have recently seen and that we have uh, seen th- throughout our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but when whenever I'm asked that question. I always try to approach this and all situations, not just this, but all situations from 
a vantage point of sitting with Christ mm. in heavenly places. Mm. So um, I am less Afrocentric in my approach to things. I am more Christocentric, Christ-centered. Okay, what what should my posture be? How do I look at this current pandemic of racism um, through the lens of scripture, uh, through the eyes of, of Christ, to the best of my ability of what I know about him. And, um, and so for me, um, this is less about racism. We, we don't have a racism problem. We have a sin problem. Mm. Um, uh, I posted something uh, last week. And just like Jesus is divine and we are the branches, I posted something that said, sin is divine, racism is the branch. Nice. Um, and theft and yeah. dishonoring parents and murder and any, any of the evils or vices of our world are branches to a bigger problem. Yeah. Amen. Right? It's connected to sin. Yeah. And we've seen racism... It, uh, rear its ugly head, <coughs> excuse me, uh, even from the very beginning of, 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 of scripture throughout scripture. Sure. Um, there's, you know, you, you had the Egyptians against the Jewish people. You have Jewish people against Samaritans. Yeah. Um, you had Cain against Abel from the Cain very beginning. Abel, two brothers. Yeah. It's sin, man. Yeah. And only one person mm. dealt with the root of that problem. And that is Jesus. Mm. And unless our conversations and any solutions to these conversations includes the cross of Christ and his way of doing things. We're not even hitting on the problem. We may chop a branch or two off, sure. but you know what branches eventually yeah. they can grow back. Yeah. Hey, preach it brother. I mean, I think we could close in prayer right now. I mean, that was, mm. that was incredible. You talked about a couple of things you said that really, it was intriguing. You have a way with words and you know, the pandemic of racism and yet, at the same time, you went beyond that. The pandemic is really sin. I mean, yeah. and racism, as you said, is is what comes out of that. But that Christocentric mindset yeah. that you said it was above the Afro mindset, or how how you said that. But and you know that should not only be true of you. I mean, that should be true of all who are children of the living God. Amen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the reality is, you know. Um, I, you know, it's not like we see the world through a Republican or Democratic or white or black or American or Asian or whatever. I mean, the call of Christ is that we have a worldview, a, 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 as you said, a, you know, Christocentric, Christ-centered yeah. of all we do. That's so, it's so good, brother. It's so, well, so and you important. Know, and Jesus was hated by people. Yeah. Um, they, they used him. They abused him. I get it. I've been called the N-word. Mm. My wife and I have gone to restaurants and got less uh, service uh, than my white counterparts that came in sometimes even after we did. And we would literally watch them get better service than we did. We've, I've experienced that. Mm. I've experienced the, um, the, I mean, especially after the Philando Castile incident, mm. Mm. I feared for myself and my, my boys in terms of getting pulled over uh, by police. Now, less for me, because I keep my badge on me. I am a part of the, the sheriff department as uh, one of the chaplains. 
And so I can I can flash my badge and say, hey, I'm one of you. So Do you ever get you know, out of a speeding to... ticket that mm-hmm. way? Um, <laughs> Just kidding. Ask me no questions. I'll tell you no lie. <laughs> I plead the fifth in Jesus' name. Um, but I remember crafting a long text, text message to my boys. Um, and, I, and I said, if you ever get pulled over, I want you to follow these steps. Wow. I want you to make you roll down every window in the car so that they can see into the car. Make sure that there is no threat there. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. You say, yes, sir. You say, no, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. The goal is to come home. Don't yeah. fight Amen. it. Don't 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 try to, you know, challenge them. I just need you to come home and we'll fight the rest of it in court. Or whatever the case may be, I just need y'all to show up and come Amen. home. And um, so when I a little bit, I know my son screenshot it and posted on social media wow. and said, you know, my dad sent this to me. I was in tears when I saw it, and they got all kinds of responses. Wow! Um, but it, it those are the kind of feelings yeah. that these kind of incidences generate. You know, it's so important for us to hear that when Thomas shared similar stories of telling his sons how they should be behave if they're pulled over by a white police officer. I mean, I think that that message made Katie, my wife, cry. I mean, yeah. just the reality of like, and even the F- Fernando Castilla. Fernando Castillo. I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, am I, so when did that happen? In Minnesota. That was the first incident that really sent shockwaves, I would say, nationally. Uh, the George Floyd has done even more sure but i think the philando castile pushed people over the what edge what year was that was that oh man what year was that that's been a few years ago okay this was after ferguson right um uh, and this young man he was in the car with his his family and um he he works at a elementary school oh my goodness beloved at an elementary school yeah. but he he had dreads right um and he was a concealed weapon carrier all of that and for whatever reason that cop um, feared for his life and um, after giving him commands yeah. hey I need you to get this and get that and as he was reaching for um, I think his ID the cop you know just started unloading in the car oh. and it was caught live on Facebook live because wow. his girlfriend was live on Facebook look at what this cop is doing next thing you know he's dead he, he's dead oh. and man that pushed people mm over the edge, including my own self, that yeah. that brought a level of fear that we hadn't seen or felt before. Now, George Floyd has taken this situation, has taken the Philando Castile yeah. and multiplied it times wow. times 10, if wow. you will. You know, you said that you grew up in this area and, you know, you said you, matter of fact, you said, that, hey, uh, I was called the N-word and my, my response was, I almost stopped listening to you because I'm like, let's go find that person. Let's go, let's go. You know, between the two of us, we. Well, you got a little hood in you, man. Yeah, I got, <laughs> you got a little hood in you. <laughs> you, know, you. I remember when you and I in this very room knelt down to pray, and we realized that it was like 600 pounds of pastor praying right there. So, uh, looks like we both lost some weight. So, uh, hopefully, our prayers are still in this Come on, man. But when I when I heard you say that, you know, there really was an anger uh, that wells up inside of me. But you grew up here. Do you think it's better, David? Is have we gotten better? Or, um, and again, I know that you said about the sin issue, and we're still going to deal with sin until Jesus comes back or he takes us home. But um, has it gotten better, do you think? Or has it gotten worse? Or what do you think? Surely it has. Yeah. It has gotten a whole lot better. There are things that 
uh, I will never experience that my grandparents or my parents experienced. Um, does racism and hatred and racial disparity exist? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Has things progressed and gotten better in this country? It absolutely has. We've come a long way, uh, but we have a long way to go. And um, I think for people, when we have this conversation, they like to talk about, well, we've come a long way. Look yeah, at yeah. look at all the advances for you people, sure. you know, oh, kind, of, kind of thing. Sure. But yes, acknowledge the fact that we've come a long way. But I also want you to acknowledge the fact that we have a long way to go. Yeah. That there is still what I call now, back then, it was very overt racism. Right. Now we, we have it covert. Yeah. And the worst part of it is, it's in the church. Yeah. Oh. It's in the church. Yeah. It, tell me where you see that, brother. I mean, again, I'm not to be obtuse, but I know it is too. But but from your perspective, what what, what do you see that is in the church? I mean, that was passionate. So give, tell me what you're thinking about with that. I'm one of those persons who honor, as the scripture says, the king or the person who is in authority. Right. So uh, when I was 10 years old, is when I began following politics. I remember being up late on election night to see if Ford or Carter had won. Huh. President Carter had won. So you were a nerd growing up. I, well, <laughs> a political nerd, maybe. I was cool, though. You know? You always cool, dude. I was cool. So from 76 to 80, watched Carter. From 80 to 88, watched Reagan. Hmm. From 88 to 92, watched Bush Sr. Um, from 92 to 2000, uh, watched Clinton, 2000 to 2008. I watched uh, Bush Jr. Um, and 2008 to, to 2016, watched uh, President Obama. Each time for me, um, I pray for the incoming and the outgoing president, mm. and just pray God's blessings over them. Now, I do um, vote a particular uh, way. I do have a particular uh, political. Uh, persuasion that I uh, generally vote towards uh, in terms of uh, candidates, but I'm I'm a Christian before I'm an American. Mm. I'm a Christian Amen. before I am a black person, mm. and so mm. I pray, I pray for them. Yeah. So, but what I've seen in the church is I've seen white brothers and sisters say things about President Obama mm. that was unjust. I'm not even talking about decisions and, 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 and laws that came from his pen. I'm talking about him as a person. Sure. And the very things uh, that I've seen them say about Obama, they don't say about President Trump wow. with all of his baggage and sure. stuff. And they seem to support that. Right. But I've also seen the opposite with black people just almost give President Obama a pass about any and everything and that, you know, he was great. And if they feel like he's great, that's fine. I don't have no problem with that. But then they say, President Trump, uh, not my president. And they don't call him by name. They'll call many of them will call him 45. Right. Right. You know, right. or uh, the white people will call Obama, not my president, but 44, yeah. you know, and I've seen the, the evil, of that from people in the church on both sides. Yeah. And it sickens me and it saddens me. You know, I think it would sicken the Apostle Paul 
Maybe the Apostle Paul says, may I know nothing but Christ and Christ Come on, crucified. Man. Come on. I mean, he was going to, in the midst of Rome, in the midst of a lot of social injustice, yeah. he had a laser sharp focus on the reality of God's son as the hope of the world, the redeemer of the world, the cross of Christ is what we need. And he would lift that high to anything else. And so I believe no matter white, black, anybody in between that has a pulpit, that's a Christian pulpit that is doing anything other than promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's 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 a, it's another gospel, and it's okay. it's an anathema, uh, and you know may they be accursed. And so, um, it's interesting. I've gotten flack um, as a white pastor that I haven't celebrated enough of America, um, even with an American flag, and, and you know and. I love our country. I know you love our country. I mean, love we, America. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, um, so grateful. But my call is not to preach an American ideal. Come my, on, man. My, my call is to preach the glorious truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's love for us in Christ Jesus. That's it. Yeah. And so my Pentecostal background make me want to shock. Right <laughs> I love it. Ooh. I love it, man. It's awesome. Let, uh, let, me, let me just ask you this question. Yeah. I'm supposed to ask you questions. What yeah, are you doing I, but, here? <laughs> but I, I, I want to ask you this question. Yes. And, and to get back to something you just said, said before about the church. How often have you seen mixed congregations? Yeah, never. Where there's black and white, or predominantly black with quite a few white and Hispanic, and there's a white pastor. Yeah. As opposed to that same mix of congregation uh, with a black pastor. Yeah. You said something. You said, man, I called David Alden my pastor. And I'm every time I hear that, I sink with honor mm. uh, because you have been the same for me, mm. Mm. Uh, my pastor in times yeah. of pain and hurt. But here, here's, here's the word on the street yeah. um, with a lot of black people that we can serve together. We can serve together, but I can't lead you. Oh, that's crazy. And that there are a lot of white people that wouldn't allow themselves to be led by a black person. Well, How often do you see that in churches where there is predominantly white people and there's a black pastor, but you see more often where there's a mix or even sometimes predominantly black people and there's a white pastor? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know, as you said earlier, if you can, I can't speak on behalf of all of that. And so, but I, I will tell you, any any white person who feels like they can't be led by a black man or woman is incredibly ignorant. I mean, that's just stupid. And, and uh, um, you know, uh, President Obama may not have been my decision as far as where his political leanings were, but he was my president. And I, I, I tell you, I shed a tear when he was elected of, of a joy that yeah. we have an African-American yeah. president. And, yeah, I you, know, you know, I didn't agree with a lot of the stuff he did, but at the same time, and I certainly don't agree with a lot of the stuff of, of President Trump. Yeah. Um, and and uh, But let me go back to the point and say, if we really, if, if there is a systemic view that, we cannot follow uh, leadership that is that is black, uh, African-American. Boy, I'm telling you, well, that's just so wrong. And, and yeah. may God just drive that out of us, especially the church. Yeah. Now, here's what I find is interesting, David. And again, my in my story, you know, I, I've come up in a, in a reformed kind of Presbyterian tradition um, when I was in the ministry. 
Uh, now King's Chapel is non-denominational, and I'm loving that. But you know, we were historically pretty pretty white, and, and uh, didn't really have a lot of minorities, whether they were Latino or Hispanic or African American. But there's a my my daughter and son-in-law attend a, a great church um, in the Durham, North Carolina area. It's uh, it's a church that's very intentional to be multicultural. Yeah. They have hired a, a African American pastor. They've hired his Hispanic, I believe, pastor. They have that, and they're they're trying hard. But it's interesting. They're in the midst of Duke in North Carolina. They're in the mm. midst of UNC. I, I I look around and I'm not sure I see the diversity in the congregation. I think they're attempting to do that. Uh, interesting, you say it. Their lead pastors are white, and uh, you know I, I don't know if the thought has been there, but uh, of of something different. But um, you know, I went to your mom's memorial funeral, and so I was there for four hours and. Um, I, if I counted correctly, my wife and I were 40% of the white people there. I think that there were another couple and maybe, maybe, a, a, a family member of yours. Um, I never felt uncomfortable. You know, I never, I never felt like I didn't belong, mm. um, which was a beautiful thing, but the worship was different. I mean, it really was. I mean, there, there, there is a, uh, there's a beauty. I mean, there's a freedom um, in your tradition, and I hope that's not a way to say it. I, mean, I hope I'm not, but no, you know, that's good. Okay. I, I I watch people dance. I watched your brother dance. I watched you do a little dance, and your brother's got a lot more rhythm than you. Yeah, but, he does. But, <laughs> he does. He does. Um, but it was beautiful, and I rejoiced. And I thought of David. I thought of David dancing with all his might, mm. you know. And uh, um, and but all that to say, um, I, I don't know how we do that. I don't know how. Uh, the churches can be more um, of what the what the story ends with every tribe, tongue, nation, and people and groups. I know we're all going to be one in Christ Jesus, but Amen. but I think if we have this thought of we gotta can't follow leadership, that's just crazy. So, all right, what would your suggestion be? This this is an important one, David. What would your suggestion be for your white brothers and sisters? And I know you got a lot of them. I know you got some. You know you got great relationships. And because I, I don't think you see color ultimately, I think you just see that Christocentric image bearers of Christ. Uh, but anyway, um, there is right now uh, there is it's it's interesting because I have found I've heard here's a conversation I've heard from some white brothers and sisters. I don't know what to say because if we don't say something, we are complicit for being silent. If we say the wrong thing. Uh, so there's almost a fear right now, and I know it may sound stupid, David, but they're of of saying the wrong thing, of of landing in the wrong spot in this, and yeah. so, and you know, fear is not a, of the Lord, and it then fear doesn't produce great things. So I think in your wisdom, what would you say to your white brothers and sisters? How how do we respond? In a way that says, "Hey, we're with you, and we love you, and we're hurting," and with a way that's not placating, with a way that's not shallow and fake. What I hate, it feels like to me that some of the some of my some of the folks seem to be running to a political correctness. I want to say, mm. do you really believe that? I mean, is this just is this just convenient for you right now? And what what I love is when I decided let's have you and Thomas Brown and maybe Sylvester can join us. I'm not trying to get a black pastor here to talk to that's not my brother and friend. I mean, the reality is 
we have a relationship. We're in relationship. And it feels like people right now are responding in a way that they just want to be politically correct. Huh. Yeah. Wow. That's a good question. Um, I would say to my white brothers and sisters, lend your voice uh, to the situation. And you don't have to know what to say. Um, I'd rather someone take the risk of saying the wrong thing than not saying anything at all. Yeah, that's good. So that, hey, brother, I just know I love you. I don't know what to say. I don't even know um, how to totally feel. I just know I hurt with you. And um, help me. Uh, just help me uh, with this. How can I love you the most mm. through this situation? Mm. What do you need sure. from me? Is it just a listening ear mm. to go for a walk, to try yeah. to understand what's going on? Uh, I love it. And I would say to my white brothers and sisters, please stop saying all lives matter. Yeah. And in, a, in response to the current situations. Because right. all lives do matter. That goes without saying. Sure. You know, there's a month called breast cancer, right? When, when people focus on breast cancer, what they're not saying is all cancers, uh, other cancers don't matter. Yeah. And, and people who have other cancers shouldn't say all cancers matter. Why are we focusing? But right now, the focus is on breast cancer because it's taking a lot of our mothers and sisters and daughters out. It is not saying that the other sicknesses don't matter, but we're focusing on this. Stop saying all lives matter. It's like, you know, you live in a beautiful area and imagine if this house was on fire, mm -hmm. right? And all the neighbors came to try to help out in some way. But then you have other neighbors that says, my house matters too, but your house ain't on fire. Right. Right. This, the Jake's house matter, but to say the Jake's house matter is not saying other houses don't. Sure. It just says that we need to focus on where the fire is. Yeah. Hey, that's you really, know? really well said, David. I, I like the way you unpacked that. I, I did see on social ma uh, media today on your Facebook that you posted that. And that was helpful for me. It was interesting. You talked about the 99. Yeah. And, and, and you know, leaving the, the 99, 99 to go for the All one. All sheep matters. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, yeah. why are you leaving us to go yeah. after the one? You know, it's interesting because you, <laughs> you, 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 you posted a picture of a sheep, the one, you know, mm -hmm. and I thought about it this morning. It should have been a black sheep, man. You, 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 had, a, you had a white sheep there. It was like, uh, what was that guy? If I would have found one, I would have put one in. <laughs> but it's a, uh, um, yeah, that, that's, that's really interesting, David, and I think very helpful. Um, to hear again, because I, I had a, my, my wife in 2009 went through cancer mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, she had a, a colon cancer, a type of colon cancer. And I remember being a little frustrated to see all the little, um, those things, bumper stickers, yeah. you know, what do they call little ribbons or yeah, whatever, ribbons. Well, everything was breast cancer. And you want to say, you know, Hey, you know, what about the colon? You know, and it's, it's <laughs> important too. And, and, uh, yeah. so I, I remember feeling that way. And, yeah. uh, but I think your analogy, if, if one house is on fire, you're not saying, hey, my house matters too. It's it's like you just got to lend the support there. Now, I I sometimes wonder what you do for a living because I've, I've recently waded back into the waters of social media. And um, I'm telling you, they're, they're interesting waters. 
And I find that I have so many posts from David Outing. I'm like, does this guy, how the heck do you do that? So, but tell me your suggestion for social media. We talked, we said a few things before we turned on the mics. I thought were real important because I, I've been struggling with social media because I think it's a cesspool sometimes. And it seems like there's a lot of angry people out there that, you know, I'm not sure if it's helping, but you had a really good perspective of social media and yeah. I, I see you've used it well. So can you lend a, think help about up it. a brother out here, man? I want you to think of, remember, all my perspectives is based on Jesus. Earth was a cesspool, but Jesus yeah. went right into it. Mm. He came to it to, to bring light and life. And he came um, to um, infuse himself mm. in the cesspool of sin and humanity mm. to redeem those who are there. Everything that I post, everything that I post, had is is has a purpose connected to it. Mm. When I posted all of those pictures about our family gathering last week, they were beautiful. It, it was yes to celebrate what we were doing, but intentionally I wanted to show the world and people of all colors and nationalities. This is a black family. This is how we live too. Yeah. This is what goes on when you have love sure. amongst each other. Yeah. I wanted there to be a subliminal message Interesting. to that, to others, you know, when posting about that. When I post about my mom, it's to share my thoughts in my heart and to somehow bring the Christ message out of it. And sometimes I'll post funny stuff that has nothing to do with the gospel just so that people can see that, hey, I'm just a real person like anybody else to make them want to listen and read stuff that I do post that is Christ-centered. Do you and read so, other people's posts a lot? Are you more putting things up? Are you reading their stuff? No, I read their stuff too. And I comment yeah. uh, many, many times. Um, I don't always comment, but sure. I, I, I read a lot. I learn. You learn a lot about what people are and their mindset through social media. Is it a cesspool? Yes. Can you spend more time on it than you should? Yes. But can you redeem it for the Lord? And um, put King's Chapel uh, podcast on there or uh, snippets of a message. Because right now, and especially right now with social distancing, um, the, the, the pulpit uh, of both saved and unsaved is social media. If you don't want nothing to do with social media, you don't want anything to do with the gospel. Mm-hmm. You don't want, you don't, you, you're not, invo- you're not, you don't care about evangelism because mm-hmm. that's where people are. And so you have to look at it from that perspective and use it for God's glory, right? And yes, you may hear and see vitriolic stuff and things that you just really didn't want to see, but they also have a chance to see the light and life of Christ that you bring to the table. You know, it's it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about this. Great perspective. Thank you. I feel like I'm like, there's a certain generation, and once the iPhones came out, there's a certain generation that was kind of beyond them. It was like, I don't want to learn this. I don't, I don't you know, this is a tool I don't need, and, and uh, I'm not going to open myself up to this. I think that my flip phone or my landline is all I need. And, yeah. and you think, you know, uh, if you don't enter into that, you won't find out a lot of cool stuff that you could do through your phones, these, these smartphones. Um and I don't know about you, David, but I'm at that age right now where I feel like I'm I'm at the cusp of technology. I used to think I was, 
cutting edge. And now I'm like telling my kids, hey, how, can you fix this for me? Do you know how to work this thing? And so uh, and I think with social media, you know, our young people, um, but even with them, and I, I ask them sometimes, some of the young people in our church, what's most effective? And there seem to be more Twitter. They seem to be more of a YouTube quick blast. Facebook seems to be a little bit dated of folks our age. And, uh, you know, Facebook is becoming the young people's MySpace. Yeah. Um, or t- well, it used to be MySpace. Everybody, I don't know if you remember MySpace. Yeah. All the young people was on MySpace. Then all the young people was on Facebook. Yeah. Now, now that the older generation has sort of taken Saturated. over Facebook, yeah, they're out. They got they all got these Instagram, other, but they're TikTok or something like that. Man, yeah. they got all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I don't even know all about it. <laughs> it's just crazy. Mm. Um, all right, brother. Well, listen, I, I've loved our time together. Let me give you the last word before closing prayer. Is there, is there anything that you, any questions, thoughts, comments, criticisms, queries from, from my pastor, my friend, David Outing? Me, uh, just like last, uh, last Friday, there was a march by many church folk. Mm. Uh, this uh, for a national day of mourning yeah. and all of that. And it was led by uh, pastors, which is good. But f- for me, I'm like, okay, now that's nice. That's cute. Yeah. W- what's, what's next to me? Uh, what I would like to see, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but what would it be like if all the black and white pastors that marched came together and said, okay, for an entire month, we're going to preach the same series of messages. Mm from the same verses of scripture mm. regarding the walls that Jesus tore down yeah. between Jew and Gentile, Amen. between black and white. What, sure. what would happen if churches swapped at the very least associate pastors for three to six months and be on staff to learn, you know, the culture of one another? What would it be like if churches allowed the praise teams and ushers to come and serve on a Sunday at the different churches to learn how we all do ministry. I don't know, but I would say this. When I thought about this last week, because uh, 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 one of our uh, leading pastors in this city called me last week when I was away with my family. And um, you talking about me again? Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're leading. I said one of the leading. Yeah, whatever. And I said I haven't really given much thought to this because I've just been grieving the death of my mom. But as I really thought about it, here's a visual that came to me, Jeff. I thought about Jesus before Pilate, handcuffed, beaten, beaten down, bruised, and then on the other side of him was another son of the father named Bar Abba, Barabbas. Mm -hmm. His name means son of the father. Mm -hmm. So you had son of the father, Jesus, Mm -hmm. standing next to son of the father, a human father, standing next to each other. What was the difference? Mm -hmm. One was a protester, a seditioner, a thief, a murderer, and seemed to, his methodology seemed to the people to be more effective and more hopeful uh, against bringing down Rome than he who was the Prince of Peace. Yeah, amen. And he who came with the solution to man's problem. Hmm. But at the end of the day, Hmm. the people chose Barabbas. Hmm. I pray that the church of Jesus Christ choose Christ 
and his methodology and not the one that seemed like it's doing more mm. damage against the powers that mm. be mm. when in reality mm. only Christ and his finished work on the cross mm. is the solution Amen. to this world's pandemic he of nailed hatred it to the cross and ran, and uh, and racism yeah this open shame he just nailed it to the cross he nailed it um you know, David, uh, you use the phrase I've heard you say, and I'm going to give it back to you. Great. I loved what you're talking about with the churches. And I could hear you say, you crazy. Two words. You crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, you know what? The only way that would happen, David, there'd have to be a lot of killing of sacred cows. And there'd have to be a lot of, uh, a lot of people that would be, have to give, give up what they feel comfortable uh, of a swim lane that they, they don't want to lose, uh, of a you know, of a theology or an uh, ecclesiology or something that that defines them, to let go of something that defines them to become something different. And maybe that's the challenge for all of us. What are we holding on to that, that defines us in our swim lanes, if I could use that phrase, uh, in, in a negative way that keeps us from being one in Christ Jesus? And you know, forgive me, brother, for the things I've held on to. So I'm sure there's plenty. I mean, there's things that are important to me theologically and traditionally, just like I'm sure with you. But, but what's the bottom line? You know, um, you know, I, I'm I'm here to preach Jesus Christ and Christ crucified, and not not one that is just a reformed, although I'm reformed or whatever. But what is it? What's that reality? So that's a great word, brother. I love you, my man. Love you too, bro. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Know, you. Our, our love and friendship goes way back, yeah, years does. ago. It does. We, we didn't just get sexy with this thing because <laughs> that's what yeah. the, the world is doing. Sure. You know, you and I have been hanging out and yeah. praying together and eating together yeah. and laughing together and crying together yeah. Yeah. and pain together for years. And so the genuineness of our love and friendship you know, goes just just goes without saying. And I just yeah, want to brother. say I love you, love you too, Katie, and your whole family. Yeah, uh, you. Blessings to your family. But I would say, hey, man, Jesus came to simplify it all. Yeah. You know, here in Florida, there was something called the FCAT. And people was like, it's so confusing, yeah. the FCAT. You know, kids weren't passing it. Kids weren't getting their um, diplomas. Right. And I called the FCAT version of the Bible or the law, um, the, the Torah, the 613 laws right. that uh, every young boy had to be bar mitzvahed into and right. every young girl had to be bat mitzvahed into uh, to know those laws. Yeah. And Jesus, I see Jesus coming along and saying, hey, ah, that was the FCAT version. I'm just going to simplify this thing for you all. Yeah. I just need you all to do two things. Yeah. Love yeah. God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. And then under, he didn't say under that. Yeah. He said equal to that mm. is this other law. Which yeah. What is it? Love your neighbor mm. as yourself. Mm. Who is your neighbor? Mm. All seven plus billion people on the planet. Yeah. Everybody other than you mm. are your neighbor. Mm. And if we love one another mm. as Christ loved us, mm. we won't be having these problems. Amen. Jesus said this. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Not how much you march together, not how much church you have or church you do together, 
by how much you love one another. And if you love one another, you will have fulfilled the law of Christ, as Paul said in Galatians 5. And in 6 and 2, he said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let me tell you, if our solutions aren't connected to that, then we're just trimming branches, but we're not dealing with the tree. Amen, brother. Hey, let's close in prayer. Uh, Father God, what a great message to end with. Thank you, Just Lord. a reminder of uh, the importance of love. And it all starts from you, a God who is love, a God mm. who would love us enough to send his son to come into the thank cesspool you, of our sin and brokenness to redeem it all. And God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who came and he fulfilled <laughs> that Torah. He fulfilled those 613 commandments and did it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, didn't come just to abolish the law, came to fulfill them. And now he says, here's the summary. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And God, we will never do that until we realize how profoundly well you have loved us eternally in Christ Jesus. Oh God, may your love, may the gospel truth change us from the inside out to God we would respond to that love in love in kind carrying one another's burdens loving our neighbors as ourselves even the Samaritan crossing the street going to the one who is broken the one whose house is on fire the one who is in need leaving the 99 rescuing the one that needs the love of Christ God thank you for David outing thank you for the light of Christ that he is uh, in this community. Thank you for April and their children and grandchildren and greats. And God, it's just so exciting to see uh, your work of redemption and grace Thank in you, his Lord. life and in, in my life. Thank you for loving the Jakeses enough, the loving this pastor enough that you have woven David's life into my life. I just thank you for the things that I've learned, not only from sitting and listening to his words preached, but to watching his life be preached and lived. And Lord, I thank you for that reality. I thank you for a tender warrior giant of a man who's filled with the wisdom of God, the love of God, Bless for the glory name. of God. Thank you, Lord. And God, continue to bless him to be a blessing. We pray this in Christ's powerful name. Amen. Amen. Love you, bro. Love you too.